Super Mario Brothers 2! Mario's back, bigger and badder than ever! Welcome to Nostalgia, a chronological exploration of every NES game released in North America. I'm Mike. I'm Sean. I'm Joe. And I'm Sam. Whoa, Welcome whoa. back, Sam. Hey, it's good to be back. I thought you you died in the war. I respawned. <laughs> <laughs> As everybody does. Uh, I think we have something that we have to get out of the way here, though, and it has nothing to do with Sam, unfortunately. It just has to do with this whole... Super Mario Brothers 2 conversation, and that is that there is a Super Mario Brothers 2, but it's not quite the one we're playing today. It was released in Japan, and it's just a much harder version of Super Mario Brothers 1 with, I think, like a poison mushroom power-up as well and stuff like that. And, you know, we may eventually play that for the show, but not today. Today, we're playing Doki Doki Panic. Okay, but not really either. We're playing a, you know, like a remixed version of Doki Doki Panic, which came out on the Famicom, and it came out as Super Mario Brothers 2, referred to as Super Mario Brothers USA in Japan, and that is the game we will be playing today. Everybody got that? Okay, okay, so yes. Doki Doki Literature Club was also <laughs> an expansion pack for Super Mario Brothers 1. I got it. Yeah, the references, if you pick up on them, they're subtle, but you can definitely see how Doki Doki Literature Club and Super Mario Brothers share, like, an extended universe. So, you know, guys, I think we have to talk a little bit about the, the first game in this series, Super Mario Brothers, since that was a huge episode for us. It was an early episode. It was one of the original launch games on the system, and, you know, we we pretty much reference every single platformer. We talk about the game again. So can you guys just briefly go around and remind me why you liked the game so much? You want to start with you, Joe? Sure. Well, first of all, I think for all of the other games that we, we talk about where we reference Super Mario Brothers, I don't think that anything has really reached that level of platformer that Super Mario Brothers, you know, kind of introduced us to. Like, I don't think anything has felt as clean or as polished yet as super mario brothers and and if and if that's not entirely true if there is an exception i don't it's it's in a totally different way that it's polished there's just something about the feel of super mario brothers the feel of the jump and the feel of the the level design that kind of kind of makes it harder for other platforms to be judged properly or to be judged in a good light because it's so well done what about you sam yeah i'd also add that it's the way that enemies spawn and the way that levels are laid out I hasn't really been matched, and in that capacity of the the first one, where each enemy is placed so that you can jump on them a very specific way, and it seems like the whole game is just expertly planned. Yeah, and Sean, I mean, I'm just gonna echo what 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 they've said for the most part. I, it's it has a level of artisanship that it, it it's really hard to to fully describe. Um, that again just can't it hasn't been replicated since there's there's been games that i've been more excited about because they're they still have that uh air of uh of novelty but it, super mario brothers was just so much of a classic and it hasn't really been lived up to since yeah i think one thing that we said a lot in between these like 100 plus episodes between the two games is that 
a lot of these games feel like they're inspired by Super Mario Brothers, but they add an extra element or try to add in an, an additional genre working its way into the platformer, and it always just complicates things. I think of that game, um, like Mighty Bomb Jack, was that the name of the game? And, and that That's one was one just of them. like, yeah, it was just so bizarre because it was clearly Mario influenced, but. It, it added in, like, Bomberman-like tropes, too, and it just didn't sell the idea enough. And I think that's the game, That's the problem with a lot of these games. You can't just be Super Mario Bros. 1 because then you're just trying to, you know, cre- recreate a perfect game already. And that's going to be a, a problem for Super Mario Bros. 2, though, right? I mean, like, it can't be just Super Mario Bros. 1 again. Nintendo of America already said they won't take the official J- Japanese Super Mario Bros. 2. So we get this game, which isn't quite... The same thing as Super Mario Brothers One. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that so many games are trying to, trying to, you know, are, are inspired by Super Mario Brothers One, and then all of a sudden Super Mario Brothers Two feels like it's almost not inspired by Super Mario Brothers One, other than some like little design elements and stuff. It feels like they kind of opened the, uh, you know, they started over with their like basic rules of the game. Yeah, I think the most important thing to note is just even the way the game starts. You start, uh, after you choose your character, of course, you start and you just fall from a door in the sky and it drops you vertically. The idea that falling pits might not be pits anymore and that you are now like able to traverse both up and down as well as left and right. Uh, I think that's like an immediate thing that just, again, it's a Nintendo design philosophy thing, but it's the first way to let you know this is not Super Mario Brothers 1. This ain't your daddy's Super Mario. <laughs> so let's let's talk about the characters because we have uh, we have other than Mario this time. I mean, in, in the other game you were able to be Luigi, but it was really just Mario. In this game, they actually give different character traits for Mario. He can jump the furthest. Luigi has like a high jump. Peach can float for a little bit, and Toad, as far as I understand, he can pull the vegetables out the fastest, but he's also just also the fastest character in terms of run speed. So what did you guys think of the characters? Uh, Sam, you want to tell me about them? Sure. Uh, I went for Toad at first because I thought it was cool you could be Toad in a game, which I wouldn't really think of being except for Mario Kart. But And I didn't, I couldn't really immediately tell what the differences were between Toad and Mario, for example. But then I tried Luigi out and he was just way, way too slippery for me. And I'm not great at platformers in the first place. So I mostly suck with Peach because of the ability to fly and or glide and i i looked it up and there are some like she she picks up things the slowest which i never really noticed because i mostly stuck with her because she can correct for my bad platforming so <laughs> that was my experience with it i mean i stuck mostly with mario uh i i did like to i, I do like the feel of peach for every level once in a while um, but uh, I, I thought that Luigi was a little too floaty, so I, I, I stuck with the OG. It's interesting because uh, I, I, you know, I've played this game very, very little when I was when I was a kid because I didn't have it, but I remember like playing it at friends' houses and stuff. Um, and I always just in my head, I was always like, well, Peach is the best character because because of the ability to kind of hover and it, like you said, Sam, it corrects for my uh, platforming. But then when I tried Luigi, I actually found that I liked him better a little bit. I, I, I liked something about the, I can't really put my finger on it, but something about the floating with Peach kind of often like made me run into things more. And with Luigi, where it just felt like a slower jump, I felt like I had a little more of that like reaction time control over it. Yeah, I was just to say, I played with Luigi for most of the game and then 
by the end, I switched to Mario for a while and actually found a lot of advantages to Mario as well. Yeah, I think the thing about Luigi with that high jump is, is because of the vertical nature of the game, too. A lot of times it helps to just be able to like jump over obstacles or, or go to another part that maybe Mario or Peach or Toad wouldn't be able to reach, but Luigi can with ease. Uh, but, you know, there's a case for every single character here, and I think that's also something really cool because you can't design, like, a game around all four of those characters, but there's never really, like, a level that's like, oh, well, if you pick Toad, you're screwed on this level. Right. I, I would love to hear the, the, the case for Toad, though. Uh, not, not saying that sarcastically. I, I just didn't play with him enough, but the, the one time I tried, I just felt like his, his biggest advantage was, like, he can jump just as high with or without holding something, but that's just not very high. I don't know. That's all I know. I, I do really like that, though. Uh, that the like I could just see that printed in like Times New Roman in like a, a games journal. <laughs> just the case for Toad, abstract. <laughs> I would say, I, I would say for Toad because he can grab things and move around with them so easily. Maybe Toad is more of like the boss fighter character, you know. When you have to jump on Birdo's oh, I like that. and toss yeah. it back, then Toad can, I guess, in theory, Toad does that the easiest. I guess that would make sense, because that's what I found after playing almost the whole game with Luigi. Once I switched to Mario, I was like, wow, boss fights are way easier with Mario. So I guess with Toad, it might even push that further in that direction. Right. look for a lot of these characters too even mario looks more like how present day mario looks than anything we saw in super mario brothers one so in a lot of ways i know uh, sam you were saying it's just interesting to be playing as toad at all but in a lot of ways this is the game that really introduces this mario like universe and canon and a lot of the things that we remember for these characters doing uh it happened in this game more so than in super mario brothers one for sure uh, yeah, I mean, the cause since I grew up with the Super NES, uh, I, I always knew Mario as this much more, like, th- uh, this much more, like, flourished character, I guess. Like, it, it looks a bit more cartoony than it does pixelated, uh, and th- they really softened a lot of the blockiness that the uh, Super Mario Brothers one model uh had and the, like just uh, across the board uh the, the game the, the game looks a, a lot softer on the eyes i would say yeah i'd say they look uh, they look close to super mario brother three character models which i i mean i know that that's just like one of the most popular games out there and that's the one that like you know introduced me to the series and that's like i I think this game even though it's very different than than you know the gameplay style of super mario brothers one and three it feels like it's even though i know it was designed as a different game it does feel like it's moving some elements in the direction of super mario brothers three which is you know in the sense that it's there's so many more secrets and and the you know there's the design element that looks a little more like it and a little more of that like adventure feel to it rather than just the platform feel to it not that the first game only had a platform feel but i just feel like it's moving closer to that adventure feel i think a lot of the levels feel like 
puzzles instead of just random platforming. Yeah, and I, I think agree. We get more of that in Super Mario Brothers three too. Definitely, but I, I do think that in this game, it's even if I if I wouldn't say that it it gets more necessarily puzzly. Just the game, the design of the game makes it more. It's less about like reaction time and more about like thinking about what your next move is than I think. I mean. Other than Super Mario Bros. 3, I'm not the biggest Mario fan. I mean, I was obsessed with Super Mario Bros. 3 itself, but it, from so from my perspective, it does that more so than any of the other main Mario games. And, you know, I think that has a lot to do with the fact that it, in this version of in Super Mario Bros. 2, you're able to go back as well. Uh, in Super Mario Bros. 1, once you hit uh, a far enough point in the screen, you couldn't turn back and explore whatever you had, you know, even the block that you had just passed. Like, now that's off limits. And so this game has more of an adventure vibe because you are able to just, at any particular moment, slow down, take everything in. You're going to different worlds. You know, you start off in a grassy land and then next thing you know, you're in a desert and I, I, nothing else really comes to mind right now. But I think like just the idea that each world is different is better than how Super Mario Brothers 1 handled everything just being in like an overworld of the Mushroom Kingdom with the same looks over well, and over again. I think it also uh, plays a part that you there are times that you have to go back like if you're going to retrieve a key or something you have to get back to where that key is used and while there sometimes would be another exit uh sometimes you'd have to backtrack through uh, a uh, a screen and that just wasn't part of the uh, vocabulary of Super Mario Brothers 1 <laughs> yeah that was a really interesting like element of the design too is that like the levels aren't necessarily always linear. Like, there's, like, something... A lot of times there's a level where there's something you have to go figure out on, like, how to progress. And, and even the fact that sometimes that includes using elements that have always, up until this point, been for other purposes. Uh, I know there were a couple of them. I was Actually, before we recorded, I was trying to scrub through videos of this to remember some of the times that I noted it. And I, the only one I, I remember off the top of my head is um, there's, there's one level where there's just a random Birdo. Not a boss fight, just Birdo is just there. <laughs> and you realize that for the first time, you, you need to jump on its whatever, the eggs or whatever it is that it spits out, not to pick up the egg and throw it back at him, but to jump on it and ride it across the level. And I thought that was really cool, where it's like, oh, I just haven't, I've been programmed by the game to think about this one way, where if I if I stop and think about like what it's actually doing, I can utilize that for other purposes. And, and the game did that a few times. I wish I could think of the other examples that, that I yeah. you know, noticed. There was one of those vulture looking birds. There were a couple levels where there's one level in particular where you basically just have to ride the bird for the entire time. That's and then, right. Yeah. And you ride it back, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. And you have to jump to like jump onto things while you're riding it and then jump back onto it and then jump to a different bird at one point. And there, I think there was a different level where you get to the end of the level and then there's nothing over there. But then a bird spawns going the other way, and you have you realize you have to jump back on it and go back to where you came from at the beginning of the level, and you can jump over some barrier that was there. Yeah, I think that was in World 5, Sam, and, and I remembered that too, and I thought that was just like a great way to communicate that because you're seeing them the whole time flying overhead, and you, know, you think of them as just an enemy, but it's not until you traverse the entirety of the map and get to the other side and there's just nothing there that you start to think like, Okay, did I miss a door or something? Like, did I do something wrong? And it's just kind of because of the how frequently they occur and you see them moving against you in the opposite direction, it just kind of subtly communicates that in a way that you understand, like, I probably should take this thing for a ride. Yeah. 
Did anyone did anyone get like a Mega Man vibe from Mario Brothers 2? Like that it, it had some inspiration in terms of just the way that the levels are laid out. And I don't know if that's just because in Mega Man you were able to also go up and down and left and right and yeah. as you choose and you weren't like locked behind My- anything. But I had this just feeling of the space and maybe it had to do with also throwing projectiles that it felt like a Mega Man game in some ways. I, I can just see what you mean. I, I never, I never felt that, but now that you say it, uh, I, I think a lot of, uh, th- there are some cosmetic things that could allude to Mega Man. I think the big one is just the way that the screen scrolls when you've hit the edge. The, that's the only part for me that that was super Mega Manny. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say too. The way the screen scrolls, which I thought was another thing that made it f- made the way you approach the game feel differently because it's not all about speed and precision. The way the the way the screen scrolls, but also the fact that like you know, then you see all of the enemies present on the screen. There's no like surprise, you know. Like, again, to that point of now you have time to just kind of breathe and think about. Well, who do I really have to take out? Can I just jump over everybody? Do I have the right character to handle this thing that if I would do it a different way with Toad than I would with Mario? I, I think a lot of that is just in the stage-by-stage design philosophy. That's kind of what I was thinking, where you really have to think about each encounter that you have and what the best way of approaching it is. Like Even when you're in those jars and you have to dig down what the best way of avoiding the shy guys is and like how you zigzag around them and stuff and planning your route back up. It kind of gives it a little bit more, like a little bit more thought to the encounters than super Mario one did. Is this sort of, are you referring to when you're sort of digging through the sand? Yeah. Yeah. Now that I, I never really, cause what I, I used to own this on like the, in the all-star um, like cart. Yeah. Uh, and I never really knew what to do with that, but it just, it just clicked now that I'm, you know, an adult and, and have problem solving abilities. But, um, <laughs> I, uh, I really enjoyed those because th- there, there was, I mean, it's not like it was super hard, but that you were still engaged in like, Oh, what is, what is the best, what is the optimal route here? For sure. Then, you know, we've been talking a lot about the characters that we play as, but, Sam, you talking about the shy guys? I mean, those are now an iconic thing in the in the Mario uh, universe, but they weren't in the first game. But then there's also enemies that were in the first game, like Goombas. I mean, Goombas were the very first Mario Super Mario enemy, and they're nowhere to be found in this game. I think there's Koopa Troopa shells, but no actual yeah, Koopa it's Troopers. Just the shells. Like, it's very strange. What did you guys think about this mix mash of like you know new characters, familiar Mario tropes? Like, did I, I would imagine it would be welcomed it, that, that it might feel like you're rehashing too much of the first game, uh, you know, if you played this originally in 1988. I, I would say so. Uh, just uh, kind of off off track here. Uh, going back to me owning this in the the all-star collection uh i i played this as a as a very small child like you know seven or eight six seven eight and i i remember playing through super mario super mario 2 super mario 3 and just feeling like two was the weirdest and that two almost felt like some kind of fever dream and I just because like everything that is that, that is familiar to you aside from the characters is is pretty much gone and the things that would work a certain way don't work that way anymore and I didn't know at the time that this that this was a uh, like a reskin pretty much uh but but I guess like sort of in my mental 
space, I still sort of recognize the the patterns of that. And so, I mean, looking back at it now, like even now that I have the uh, explanation in my head of why these things are different, uh, so it it does still it does still have this weird like it's not really Mario, but it is Mario feel to it. I don't know if that makes any sense. No, one hundred percent, it does because you know if you look at the three games in the collection, the way you played it as a kid, and the way I, I remember playing it for the most part, I did play the NES ones too, but I just remember from the All-Star Collection, when you play them like that, three is almost like learns nothing from two and yeah. goes back to the idea of just Mario being the main character that you play as and, the you know, there's there's emphasis on, on a vertical in a small way with the uh, raccoon tail and stuff like that. Yeah. But for the most part... You are just playing Super Mario Brothers 1, uh, you know, with additional power-ups and a sprawling world, and obviously it's a lot more complicated than that, but that's a time for another episode. Super Mario Brothers 2 has this whole, like, picking up vegetables and throwing them at enemies thing that we're just not going to see again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's something, because I, you know, I think that now, looking at it, uh, like Sean said, looking at it now with with the knowledge that this was Doki Doki Panic and it was reskinned to be a Mario game and it was actually made as a totally different game, just happened to be by it, this Miyamoto made this still right, so it's still by the same guy. It's still in his it's in his development team. Yes, gotcha. Um, but that you know it was now looking at it like knowing like okay this isn't going to be a traditional Mario game. I think it's a lot easier to appreciate how good this game is, and I and I think if I were if I bought this, you know, when it came out, expecting Super Mario Brothers 2, I might have just had this biased disappointment towards it. Kind of in the same way that if I, you know, if if when, you know, if I was obsessed with Pokemon Red and Blue and then Pokemon Gold and Silver came out and it was just like a puzzle game or something, and it could have been the, the, the best, coolest puzzle game in the world, I'd still have been like, well, this isn't what I was looking for. So, like, I get why why this one you know had a little bit of a reputation of being regarded as the weird one but i think then if you separate that and you look at it independently you can really realize like oh this is also like another really good game it just happens to be very different than its original i, I so it's like i have a mixed feeling about it cuz i do think when you do a sequel there should be a little more uh recognizable from the original game generally got rid of and, and obviously like let's pretend that they can change these things from Doki Doki Panic because if they really want to I mean this is their this is their big flagship franchise if they wanted to I'm sure they could go into the game's code and change some things why didn't they make it so that when your character be it Mario or anybody else when you jump on an enemy it squashes them like that was the whole gameplay mechanic behind Super Mario Brothers 1 and I get that in Doki Doki Panic it doesn't happen but it's a little strange that you jump on ah, top of these enemies and then you have to like just pick them up that, that's really tricky yeah. I, I think that if because like, it, it's if you change the skeleton I mean if, if, so you're working with the skeleton of a game and you decide to change uh, like a pretty significant feature you, you've pretty much ruined the entire thing I don't think that this would work 
if they if they changed that line of code and got rid of the picking up of enemies, I don't think this would work at all. So I think it's just they like it, they took a holistic approach. They 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 kept pretty much every part of the gameplay as it was, and uh, like they changed a couple of the items to look like Mario items. I, I think a, a, another question that could be posed though is. Why didn't they maybe take some of the sprites from some of the enemies that are new? Maybe not the shy guys because those are cute, but and, and change those into goombas. So I, I'm not I'm not really sure what the answer to that would be, but uh, I don't know. I guess it's worth worth discussing. I would say that I think it makes total sense that nothing looks like it did in the previous game because nothing plays like it did in the previous game. And that you'll want to do, you'll want to approach situations with a certain mindset that you're used to from the first game. And if you see things that kind of remind you of that, then yeah. you go back into that. That makes sense. Super Mario One platformer mindset, and kind of lose this. Like, all right, I have to pick up this guy so that I can throw him over here, and then that will do this, and that will do this. You know, it's it changes the way that you approach situations. I think. Yeah, I, I see that for sure, and I think that like. Now with 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 my 2020 hindsight on this, I think it was a I think it was cool that they that everything looks pretty much for the most part different. It's a whole it, you know it's supposed to be a dream. It's supposed to be a different world. It introduced all these new characters. I think it's really cool. But uh, I I would I mean I can't see myself if I were developing this being brave enough to to go away from what from these enemies that were like so recognizable and successful and just that branding. So like I you know kudos kudos on them for for sticking with that even if that wasn't the reason i mean maybe it was just easier to do it this way but uh <laughs> kudos on them anyways because i think that they made a, the right call when it probably could have been seen as like the safer move to just make everything look like it did in the uh original game yeah now now that i think about it if i were to step on a goomba if i if i, if I jumped on a goomba and it didn't crush i would probably go insane it, it, yeah, you'd be very dissatisfied <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know there there are some Mario universe elements though in the game there there's the we talked about the Koopa Troopa shells there's the pow blocks from Mario Brothers there's the sparks from Donkey Kong Jr and then there's the boss crab fight that the kind of acts like Donkey Kong so it's like none of those games are quite Super Mario Brothers 1 but they're still in this Mario universe and, and those things are added so you know this stuff happens but it doesn't quite feel like any other Mario game. Right, but I felt like, you know, as far as the Koopa Troopa shells and the Power Box, the Koopa Troopa shells, I I don't know, I imagine in Doki Doki Panic, they were just something else, and they were like, oh, let's make those couple of times you pull this thing out, let's make it be something recognizable, like, easy enough. And the Power Blocks, I mean, maybe there weren't Power Blocks in the original game, but that's also something that's, like, not necessarily gameplay-breaking, because you could put them wherever you want, and it's, I didn't, they didn't think they were too frequent um the last thing you said the crab thing was that similar to donkey kong i it just just in the sense of the the layout of it and i believe i, I don't think he was throwing barrels but whatever he was throwing acted like how the barrels acted i guess that's true but it's different than adding like an element like the pow blocks or the koopa troop totally yeah. just more like it just felt like an homage to me Gotcha. But we also have cool new characters uh you know the shy guys are awesome but we also have the babams and Pokies, those cactus uh, characters, and Birdo, you know? Yeah, yeah Birdo still has some really weird, uh, like, kind of nightmarish qualities to her. Like, I I don't know if you, if you guys were ever kind of, like, put off by Birdo before. I guess I can't really explain it, but... <laughs> 
Just a big <laughs> hole in your face. Will do yeah. that, I guess. <laughs> also, what is the thing that you pick up after you defeat Birdo? Is it Birdo's stomach? It's their soul. That's just the orb. <laughs> yeah, that's just part of Birdo. Well, no, it's the eagle's orb, right? Like, what is that eagle thing? You gotta yeah, get swallowed by the eagle. It's it, <laughs> yeah. It's a contextless like. I, it's a contextless change that I don't even know if it, if it makes sense in Doki Doki. Maybe it probably does, but I, mm, it just it it, it it feels so much like a childhood nightmare. <laughs> it's you know, funny to think of like Super Mario Brothers one, and then like afterwards the developers are like, oh, let's make the next one like a fever dream. You're like, well, the first one was already pretty weird. Yeah. You, you you like went like you made it like a fever dream within the the world that's already a fever dream. <laughs> I like how in Super Mario Brothers 1, the little end-of-level minigame is, how high can you jump on the, the the flagpole? And this one's like, feed the bird. <laughs> feed the bird. <laughs> With yourself. Yeah. There's just some strange moments in subcom, like, all over the place, right? Because, you know, we talked about the key, but we didn't talk about the fact that there are these masks that will then, like, chase yeah. you throughout the Those, remainder I of the hate stage. Yeah. It was also I terrifying. think that's... The- that's the yeah the terrifying thing for me. Until you realize that they're actually pretty easy to keep under control. You just got to keep throwing the key away from you, and then they go away. And I talked about the oh, door yeah. that starts the uh, the whole game. You know that you just like open up into this the door dark and you just realm. Fall. But yeah, that's just so strange, right? Oh yeah, that door too. That's a good one, Sean. We should talk about that door. That's very uh, strange. Yeah, like I I always I, I always felt like I was I was in a place I shouldn't be. Again, this is seven year old me. It just it it has a lot of weird uh a lot of weird subconscious <laughs> effects on me that probably don't affect everybody. Uh but it, it this game just feels haunted. It feels haunt more haunted than baseball. And when you remember <laughs> you went to the dark realm, it, it kinda of freaked me out as a kid. Isn't the dark realm the only place where like regular Super Mario Brothers music plays? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And, and Wait, that's, what is the dark realm? I'm, I'm, I guess I'm missing what we're talking about. Okay, remember yeah, when doors, you, pick, right? you pick up the chemicals and you oh, just yeah, throw yeah, them on the doors. ground and then a door opens up. Gotcha. Then you go through that door and it's a shadow opposite version of the place where you just were, wherever you were. And keep in mind that if you didn't pull any vegetables or anything, those things are still there. And now they turn into red coins also, I guess, That's from right, yeah. Mario Brothers. I, I don't know why I was confused about what the Dark Realm is. There's only one thing that could possibly be Dark Realm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I think I thought that was very strange. And I didn't quite understand that other than the uh, the mushroom that you can lift up to then get like an extra bar of health. Yeah, but how did how did that appear? What are the rules for that? I don't know. I maybe if you didn't disturb anything except for the plant that has the chemicals in it. I, I thought that they were that. actually planted in certain places in the level. Like if you threw the door in the right place, every time the mushroom would be in that. Yeah, because I have mm-hmm. thrown the door at a place that the mushroom was also whole, like it, it was also occupying that space. I just couldn't pick up the mushroom. Huh. Okay. You know, there's also the doors with the chemicals. You can put those on uh, certain vases, and that creates warp zones. Did you guys know there were warp zones in this game? See, I didn't know that. I knew that there were, but I didn't know how to access them, or didn't really want to either, but (laughs) I didn't even want to access the warp rooms. I didn't even want to go into the more scary places. (laughs) So you put it on the the vase, and then 
So you can't just you put it on any. Door? You can't put it on any vase. You know, you can't just be like, "Oh, this is a vase. So I'm just gonna put the door on top of that." It has to be on specific ones in specific levels. On a specific yeah, face. If you, if you put it, yeah. If you put it there, sure. <laughs> if you put it there and then go down, uh, you'll warp. It'll just jump to the next thing. It'll be like, "Welcome to World Five One." It doesn't, you know, like that's it. You're just in there now. Huh. Spooky. I just think yeah. that like things like that are you know it's great that the warp zone continues but you just gotta wonder like how would you know which vase to go through yeah it's a little it's a little bit more uh uh ambiguous than super mario brothers is like even as a kid i knew like like oh i kind of want to get above the level so you're sort of drawn to that um if it looks like you're you're able to uh whereas in this it's it's kind of like a random trial and error like very secret thing yeah and not even random because it's it's like the opposite of that because you put the door down and your first instinct is usually I want to go through the door but this is deciding not to go through the door and losing it instead yeah to try something else out which I wouldn't think of normally no and we joked about the eagle head and I think that that is very strange and just another and endless layer of the strangeness of this game don't you think it's even stranger though in the final level when you have to like if it becomes a boss (laughs) yeah that's very unsettling because this because at this point it's because something that you've you've finally grown to trust okay i'll let you (laughs) eat me you know every time i'll just climb into this bird's mouth and then suddenly it's like no i am your enemy (laughs) uh you know i I actually never i haven't beaten the game I, i think i got to world five but oh gotcha okay yeah no this is legit like the last stage of the game yeah it's like right after you beat a birdo, right? And then yes. all of a sudden you're like, all right, I know what to do. I've done it every time. And then like the thing on the wall, the disembodied head of a bird just like blinks to life and starts flying around at you. You'd hate it. <laughs> I'm sure I would. I'm sure I'd have actual nightmares about it if I actually beat this game as a kid. probably should also talk about Birdo. I mean, you know, we, we haven't really described what that boss fight is like, and uh, it, it happens so often. Joe, do you want to walk me through it? Sure. I mean, in in complete, like, contrast to Super Mario Brothers bosses or Super Mario Brothers 3 bosses, this you're not directly, you know, you're not jumping on Birdo as many times as you can. You have to ha- actually have to jump on the projectiles that Birdo shoots out. So these, like, white eggs that come out, you jump on them and then pick them up like you would a turnip or whatever other things in this game and, and throw it back, you know. Uh, so it, it, it definitely is, like, a it, it's a totally different way of approaching a boss fight than, like, really any other Mario game that I remember. Yeah, and Birdo's now, like, you know, in the Mario universe, it's a strange relationship of Birdo that only shows up in, like, party games, really, and is linked to Yoshi in some ways. Like, they're always kind of paired up together. 
I, I never thought of the idea that, you know, Birdo was an unsuccessful dinosaur in the Mario universe and Yoshi comes around and everybody loves him, you know? Yeah, I mean, he looks like he looks like Yoshi. It's actually, this is the first time I've ever really thought about the fact that Birdo came first, right? Yeah. Oh, weird. Yeah, that, that's, that's so weird because I always thought like, oh, it's like such a weird, like, you know, it's like a bizarro Yoshi, but it's just... No, sure. Yoshi. But if, if, came first. if you're discussing like why we like one more than the other, like Yoshi looks like a, like a, a real like animal. It looks like an animal. It's cute. It's got a mouth. It has. It probably has teeth. It's got a tongue. And Birdo has a gaping maw. So <laughs> th- I'm pretty sure that's why we like Yoshi better. Have you seen Sean the uh, from the Nintendo beta leaks the original Yoshi? I did. That that's that's pretty funny. It looks like a bad kid drawing. <laughs> yeah, and and that would actually scare probably a lot of people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> While we're talking about boss fights though, we don't have to really explain what they are, but I just kinda wanted to get your guys feel on these characters. I love Mauser, the mouse that throws the bombs that's like the first real boss you fight. He oh, shows Yeah, that's a sick boss. He shows up in Super Mario Brothers Super Show a lot, and he is like he talks like a gangster, like with an yeah, Italian he, accent and everything. That's so funny. Like that. Yeah, he kind of looks like he he would be uh, like a criminal, and not <laughs> and not just like and not just like a uh, um, like you know just an enemy. He looks like an actual uh, guy with connections in the underworld. He's got a whole side hustle. <laughs> yeah. Going on. Do you do you think Mauser will show up in Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven? I think you know what it's it's the sunglasses it's, that's what it yeah. is i think he will be but the sunglasses will be will be built into his head whereas fry guy is just a cool looking guy like i wouldn't necessarily think that you know he would be a boss i'd hang out with that guy on any given day i think i think he looks anything but cool oh well yeah, yeah sure <laughs> which one's fry guy he's the sun <laughs> he's like the ball the of flame i'm thinking like like a French fire or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. He is not the sun. He is of just a ball of fire, if you will. But like, I still think that that you know, this is this guy is better than the angry sun in Super Mario Brothers Three, <laughs> which I guess we're not allowed to talk about yet. Can't uh, talk about just, it. Yeah, just move on, move on. Looking at Fry Guy, he kind of looks like Captain Falcon a little bit. Fry Guy and Captain Falcon. All right, sure. You got you got to look it up. Yeah, I, I, I um, have it right in front of me. <laughs> I don't know if you're looking at the right thing because it looks just like him. <laughs> no, I, I'm just. Yeah, if you look at the manual, <laughs> it, yeah, it's like so different. <laughs> yeah, he's just like a ball. No, of I, I see what you're talking but, about, Sam. I see it. Thank you. Uh, he's got a little uh, mask on. Yeah, we, I, I actually. Sorry, I, go ahead. I, I don't. I don't know when we're done talking about this. I don't want to be. <laughs> I don't, I'm sorry if I'm interrupting this, um, but I don't want to move on from the sun from Super Mario Brothers because I thought of something. Uh, I thought of something to say about it, where I think that uh, the uh, the guys, the mask guys that go after the keys, reminded me a lot of the way like I feel when the sun from Super Mario is after you. Oh like, yeah, like they're very very similar because it's just swooping down at you. If you feel like there's like not much you can do, but like kind of try and jump out of the way until you realize you can throw the key. Um, so maybe that was you know maybe that was some inspiration for the sun. And you know. We can talk about the three-headed snake if you want, but, like, I didn't find anything too interesting there. We have to talk about Wart, though. Was anybody expecting Wart? No, I I wasn't. I mean, I I guess, again, this is another symptom of of this being a a holdover from the original version of the game. Uh, But it does does feel very wrong for it not to culminate with Bowser. But you already have Peach, though. She's already safe. 
Yeah, but like maybe he's just, you know, going to try and take her again. You know, Sam, I never thought him. about that, Sam, that like you saved Peach in Super Mario Brothers 1. So now she's a playable character with you in 2. Like that's kind of wholesome. Yeah. Yeah. She's she didn't get kid she didn't just get kidnapped, you know? Like I like that. It also right. implies that Mario and Bowser never have any beef unless it's over a woman. Which I think is the big problem in Super Mario Odyssey, though, if, if you've ever beat that game. Uh, at the end, yeah, at the end, Peach is just kind of like, you guys both suck. You only care about me when I'm, like, in possession of one of you. <laughs> I don't think that's a problem. I think that, that that's, an evol- that's an evolution. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, you know, also, one thing about Wart, uh, other than the fact that I love Wart as a character, and I I can't wait for his return to the Super Mario universe. <laughs> There's something about the uh, the boss fight though that I don't know. It's just like it feels transplanted from a game that already feels like a transplant of a Super Mario Brothers game. Like it didn't feel like the rest of the game. It didn't look like the rest of the game. Did you guys think that was weird with his whole like? dream machine thing yeah i think that the weirdest thing to me was that the whole game there was never another instance where like you just can't hit wart unless he's shooting things like firing projectiles and there's really not an indication that that would be the case which i just felt like was was weird because i thought the rest of the boss battles were pretty like they made it pretty clear what you should do and also like feeding him vegetables is how he dies well it does say in the manual that he hates vegetables <laughs> Ooh, that's a undercover tip right there <laughs> and if this is all a dream, then that means that this is really just Mario exploring his fear of eating vegetables, uh, you know, and getting over it at the end of the dream. He is holding a turnip in the, the art, though. He he is the most mischievous of all in the world of dreams. He created monsters by playing with the dream machine. That's what the manual says about Wart. So talking about that, though, like, so I, I actually, after I played the game, I finally read the story in the manual. And it got me thinking, because, you know, even before like just from you know just my basic knowledge the you know of this game before i played it i knew that it was supposed to be a dream and you know now after reading it do we think that is a this all took place in an actual fictional dream inside mario's brain or was there something where it's like oh the dream there's actually a dream world in mario head because they say like he was there's something in there where it's like his curse the curse wart put on you in the real world won't have effect on you while you're asleep like, as if, like, oh, you have to be dreaming to take on Wart, but he is an actual threat in, like, this world of He's like Freddy Krueger. He's like, yeah, exactly. Like So then I was like, oh, is it supposed to be like, oh, it was a dream, but it was also, like, significant and real? Or is it supposed to be, like, the whole thing, even that part of the story was the dream? Yeah, I guess that's a good question, but I have to, like, just imagine that the Wart side of things is, like, he's not just limited to Mario's dreams, you know? Because he shows up in Link's Awakening as well. Not named Wart, but it's the same sprite. And so I have to imagine that Wart is just kind of like this dream troublemaker who shows up in people's dreams or plays a role in people's dreams. But that, you know, for all intents and purposes of the story, there is like a living, breathing dream world that Mario and friends can get to. It, it, it seems that, like, you know, before the game actually starts, Mario has been experimenting with, with shared dream spaces and has accidentally gone too many layers deep and has fallen <laughs> into dream limbo. And, he, like, in order to, uh, to, to come out of this limbo, he has to get a kick. And that kick right. is that like that bottle that he opens at the end, you know? Yeah, yeah. And he needs to get back into the United States to see his kids. <laughs> <laughs> you know, also, 
this whole thing apparently takes place in a world called Dreamland. Uh, is that the same Dreamland that Kirby belongs to? They're like, all to just believe? different names for Limbo, Mike. Gotcha. All right. I didn't know that this game uh, was produced by Miyamoto, but directed by Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan, Nolan that's right, yeah. yeah. The same uh, director as The Dark Knight, one of the greatest <laughs> movies of all time. <laughs> well, then he must have done the Super Mario Brothers film, right? Yeah, I think I think he had the guy was in the contract. <laughs> uh, what else do I have? <laughs> but, okay, a little, little aside, a little aside on the Super Mario Brothers film is that... Uh, so were were Bob Ombs invented in this game? Yes. So the so the Super Mario Brothers movie came out after this game. I guess I just did, had no concept of when that movie came out. Yes, after uh, this game. Okay, because that's where I first heard of Bob Ombs was in the Super Mario Brothers movie. It's probably wow. the only time you also heard of Fungus Among Us. <laughs> <laughs> but wait a minute. What are the bombs with eyes and legs? Oh, wait. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of Super Mario Bros. 3, not the original. You're silly. Which You're I silly. forgot that 3 comes after 2, in fact. It does. Numerically. Confirming, confirming that for you. Although, not in the case of Japan, though, because in that case, they didn't get R2 until after 3. Woof. But we didn't get their <laughs> Final Fantasy 6. We got 3. Right. It's all connected. Right. Uh, and their 3 was on a totally different console. Very interesting. We were, we were kind of down on the game over system in the original Super Mario Brothers 1. And in this one, you get a game over screen, but you can continue, I believe, twice. Uh, so that, that, that seems like an improvement. It is. Um, and also, uh, there doesn't seem to be any score here. So th- it, it feels like it, it's not trying to punish you with a made-up system. Uh, so it's just giving you a, a, a series of attempts. It, it's a little bit more clear. Because continues with with scores, or just like, oh, now you're set to zero if you actually care about that. But this one is just giving you a few more attempts. Yeah, and I'm I'm usually against the idea of uh, of having like a complete like actual game over. Like, all right, you've gotten to world seven, but you lost your last life with no continues. Start over. Um, and I still generally lean that way. But uh, you know, I did I, while playing, I did see some of the merit in that uh, that that. I was really thinking, thinking every move through about like not just like oh I can't die here because that's you know there's big consequences to every time I die because that brings me one step closer to just being done with the game. Um, but also that I was thinking a lot about like okay how do I farm coins so I can have more chances to have more extra lives and like it, it, it encouraged me to do those extra things rather than just get to the end of the level. Oh, um, I still if if I were to really like come up with my actual opinion, I still think that. As much as I think that punishment nowadays in games is just too too non-existent, there needs to be more punishment for failing. But I think that unless you're trying to do some sort of crazy like Nuzlocke challenge or your game is based around <laughs> something like that, I think that like f- having a full game over where you're several hour experience now, you just you have to start from the beginning of the game and do everything over again. Just it is not ideal. Yeah, I also think just going back to the way you phrased. Uh the uh, the bonus stage. I mean, it's not really a stage. Just yeah, getting the coins for the bonus piece of the game. Um, and you said farming. And when I think of farming for anything in a video game, that just completely removes any kind of joy out of it. So that that really that that really kind of hurt my my view <laughs> of that going back now. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I guess in if it's it's not farming in the sense that like a lot of other games are like just dull because it is there is like 
still gameplay to it. Yeah. You have to yeah. think about it. But you could also, uh, to your point, you could also, which I did do this, like, get into, like, a, all right, I found a good spot to get coins. You know, I'll keep getting coins here, and I'll keep doing that. Like, it, it you know, it did get a little tedious the way I was doing it at some points, but then that paid off in dividends later when I didn't have to start the entire game over. <laughs> Just work. You know, yeah. two two thoughts on movement here, since we were always talking about how the movement felt in Super Mario Brothers 1. Uh, there's no weight to the characters like there was for Mario and Super Mario Brothers 1. They do kind of stop on a dime in this one, but I didn't really notice myself being thrown off by that. Yeah, I, I think that, I think Luigi has a little bit more, uh, has a little bit more slipperiness to him. And uh, I think that that was sort of what put me off of playing as him. So they didn't completely get rid of it. And I think that since this is based on a non-Mario game, it probably didn't have the same physics going into it. But it's still it's still like a good uh, it's it's still a good system in that it it still felt right. Oh yeah, the jump is great for for everybody too. It feels you know it feels natural. It's not yeah. uh, it's not a jump that forces you into a direction that you can't change on the fly. I like that. Yeah, th- this is actually making me kind of realize too. Like that we talked before about how the original game was a lot more about like run, jump, be precise. You know, it was a lot more about the the motion exactly. You know, I, I don't know if I'm articulating that perfectly. It was more but, momentum based. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Um, where this one doesn't need it doesn't feel like it needs that as much because it's it's not as momentum based but this also made me realize like really for the first time that i I, this is the first time i've i've seen something that didn't use that kind of momentum that i think still feels equally as good in a different way like up until now i've i've kind of always felt like you sort of need that momentum in a platformer to make it feel weighty and and to make it feel good whereas this kind of proved to me like i guess well if you're if it's a different kind if you design the game kind of differently it can still feel precise but you know, it's it not can still feel like right the way that you move, fluid. but that's because it's and not a different be just game. because of the momentum. Exactly. Yeah. Did anyone notice too that in in Super Mario Brothers one and three, I tend to you know for the most part hold down the run button as I'm going uh, across the the game because the whole idea is just to get to the end of the screen, which is always on the right side of the screen. So I'm always just trying to get there the fastest and deal with things as they come. In this game, I didn't really hold down the run button all that much, and that was because it wasn't really like a get-to-the-other-side-as-fast-as-you-can game. Yeah, you got to find where you, you're trying to go for the most part. Yeah, I only used run really to to jump higher when I didn't feel like doing the, like, or couldn't do the, like, duck and charge thing that makes you jump higher. Yeah. Well, yeah, I kind of forgot about that element. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Also, that's a thing that we haven't <laughs> but, talked about yet. Yeah, you can use that to uh, like just skip over parts of levels. You know, if if you jump with Luigi on like holding that down, you can get to platforms that you were supposed to like go all the way to the right, jump up, get to the left. Like I use that a lot. I'm not ashamed to admit. And you shouldn't because yeah. it's built into the game. There you go. Legal. It's legal. <laughs> Very cool. The music in this game is better than Super Mario Bros. 1. There, I said it. 
I've got it off my chest. I love this. I love all the music in this game. I won't. I won't argue. I think that. it's more energetic, also. Yeah, I won't either. Actually, I think it's it's less iconic, but that's not the same as worse. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I would agree with energetic for sure. I think even just the uh, the overworld theme, whatever you want to call that, is very playful. You know, uh, not that not that the other song doesn't make you just want to sing. You know, in Super Mario Bros. One, you just want to sing along to it. I think in this one, there's something that would be like fun to hearing that played on a you know real life piano or something. You yeah, know, like a, I, I think that like in classical music yeah. circles and. Uh, just in music theory, the term we're looking for is it's more hype. There you go. Yeah, it's more hype. I always said that Super Mario Brothers one is like a waterbender, and Super Mario Brothers two is an earthbender. Huh? Yeah. I wouldn't say that because it's a little all over the place. Yeah, I would probably go closer to You've air. Never seen also. the Super Mario Brothers show? I, I don't really know what I'm basing that. Yeah, on. Just I've never right. watched the show. Uh, the yeah, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> This, which one? The there was no one based off of Super Mario Brothers two, but you could argue that's Super Mario Brothers Super Show because they uh, they use a lot of the elements and sounds and songs. Man, they really from them, huh? Super Mario Brothers two. <laughs> and meanwhile, there's also the Super Mario Brothers three show and the Super Mario World show. That'd be sick. <laughs> they there was also they a Legend of Zelda show and surprisingly no Metroid show. Really no, should have been a Metroid. I want, show. Give me I'd like still a, take a Metroid show, Not like yet. an R-rated Metroid <laughs> with like Aren't parasitic they doing a monsters. It's gonna be on you know, Disney like, Plus. That. that sounds uh, fun. I don't see any reason for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess, but. You know, episodic. You just want to watch Alien? Ooh, that'd be but, cool. Uh, and give me Brie Larson as Samus. <laughs> yeah, isn't that happening like, yeah, or something? She or wants something it like to that? be. She wants it to be. Oh, okay. Yeah. I say it like I'm like, she wishes. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> I, that's how I took it. <laughs> that's how, like, those people who were against Captain Marvel, that's how they say it. Yeah, yeah she wishes she was Captain Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this one is actually one that I probably would have brought up even if I didn't make a habit of bringing up pause sounds, weird anecdotes. But uh, when you pause this game with the music, I mean, Sam, you could probably describe this better than I could, but it, it takes out, like, it's the, the music continues playing, but, like, it's just, yeah. like, the, it strips the out the elements of it. Yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah. I mean, I, it, I thought that was kind of interesting that it... I really like that it. was a decision that they made. Yeah, it's like uh, you know the you're, the the game is still on. Uh, you're you're still where you were, uh, but we're just taking a break. And the guy that that plays the the high MIDI keyboard is uh is uh is taking a little nap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's funny because it just yeah it makes you feel like yeah it's like it, it feels paused because like it, the the stuff that feels more actiony is not going right. It still feels alive. There was. An alternate history where Super Mario Brothers 2 was not just a harder Super Mario Brothers 1, but might have been its own game that felt more like Super Mario Brothers 1. Let, let me explain. This is this is our development section, if you will. There was a sequel prototype uh, built by Miyamoto and his team uh, that didn't have, I don't think it had the Mario sprites in there or whatever, but it was working on the idea of Mario and Luigi playing cooperatively, and they have to lift each other up and throw each other, uh, stacking objects and stuff and scrolling the screen upward. The design became a little too complex for the Famicom hardware. You have to remember they eventually phased that out and went to the Famicom disk system. So they didn't like how that gameplay system worked out and they moved away from it. But there was an opportunity, and I think we see a lot of Super Mario Bros. 2's, uh, you know, lifting and stacking stuff still in there. 
so it's kind of neat to think that they were always thinking about making a game with that concept in mind. Yeah, so did they ever, like, I mean, I know that this game is pretty much that, and that uh, um, that element made its way into it, but did they ever, like, fully do that? I, I haven't played many of the uh, more more recent Mario games. So, you know, it's funny because the, the closest thing I can think of, I don't know if anybody else here has played it, but in the Mario RPG uh, franchise, I think this, I think it was either Superstar Saga or uh, Dream Team, one of them, uses the idea of, like, picking up the other character and, like, A button does one thing for Mario and B button does something for Luigi and doing stuff like that, but it, it doesn't have anything to do with a vertical emphasis or anything. It just has to do with interaction. But I wonder if they just, like, have a list of unused ideas that when they go yeah, to Mario games, they, they just it. say, like, oh, let's use that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. But, of um, course, the game that, that this was, eventually they just wound up making it into Doki Doki Panic, and instead of lifting other yeah. players and playing cooperatively, you just pick up vegetables and stack enemies and stuff. Because there's definitely so, times for that. So to get my, my history straight here, so then they, they started developing this Super Mario Brothers 2, scrapped it, and said, okay, this isn't working. Let's make this, but let's use some of these elements and make Doki Doki Panic. And then they made what came out in Japan as Super Mario Bros. 2. And then they took Doki Doki Panic and then reskinned it as Super Mario Bros. 2, which is what it was originally going to be. Correct. That's crazy. I never knew that. And and I think, you know, one thing to note there is that Super Mario Bros. 2, Doki Doki Panic, that was never like a Nintendo of Japan idea. They didn't really like give too much stock to this. It was really Nintendo of America who pushed for the idea of like, you don't understand, we just had a video game crash over here in 1983 because of games looking all too the same and, you know, no way to, like, get good quality. Your whole thing is this Nintendo seal of quality, and then you're releasing a game that is basically the same thing as the first one, uh, you know, because there's really no graphical yeah. differences. So they and, had, they played their hand, you know. And going back, like, it's not that they were like failures by any means but uh the nintendo didn't really have that great of a track record for sequels up to this point like yeah like uh uh, donkey kong jr was was good but then it just really went off the rails near the end there so there wasn't that guarantee that like if there's a new mario game it's going to be great yeah i totally agree with that assessment because i mean also just the idea of mario being your flagship character any game you put out with him is a risk you know we talk about how disney doesn't use mickey mouse as like a character for films anymore because it would probably hurt if the movie sucked you know like it would hurt mickey mouse's image uh, Nintendo has to constantly take on that risk with Mario, but I wonder when does that, like, not become true anymore? I'm not sure. I don't know, because, I mean, you look at Zelda or something, and a lot of people didn't like Skyward Sword, but then Breath of the Wild came out, so I feel like it's as strong as you make it. Yeah, I think that's true, too, of, like, and also I think the big thing there, Sam, more than anything, was that those two games could not be more opposite, Mm -hmm. and there are definitely people that still like Skyward Sword, but it, it says a lot about a company willing to listen to the critical reception and be like, oh, they don't like it when we hold their hands, so let's just do nothing in this next game. <laughs> you know, if if there is a sequels and spinoff section, this is it, because uh, this game, uh, as I mentioned, already came out in Japan as a remastered Super Mario USA, and then eventually that 
was released as Super Mario USA in the, um, no, sorry. It was released as Super Mario USA in the All-Stars Collection in Japan, but I think it still gets the Super Mario Brothers 2 title in the All-Stars Collection in the U.S. And it Super does. Mario, their Super Mario Brothers 2 becomes the Lost Levels. Yes. Now, that's, that's a bit of, like, possibly the first ever remaster, seeing this on, like, a... The Super Nintendo and seeing Super Mario Brothers 2 and 1 and 3 with, like, these new graphics and stuff. But for the most part, other than, like, a few glitch fixes, the game is still the same. Yeah, I've heard uh, people say that the games are somewhat easier, and I, I don't know in what way they're easier. Uh, I mean, just the fact you can save, probably, right? I, I guess that's that could be part of it. Um, I thought maybe it was a more mechanically... Uh, 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 mechanically involved ver- uh, version of of difficulty, but um, no, I mean from what I've seen, there it's just a it's just a fresh coat of paint. And then, uh, and I'm not making this up. BS Super Mario USA Power Challenge came out on the Satellaview. It's mostly the same, except for you only start with Mario, and then you unlock the other characters uh, as time goes by. And there's also some voice dialogue added to the game. And that's the internet service, right? <laughs> yes, the Satellaview was the Super Nintendo internet service. You had to, uh, like, at 6 o'clock at night in Japan, you had to, like, go on the Satellaview and download the BS Super Mario USA Power Challenge, and then you'd be able to play it for a limited time. So weird. I mean, what do you think about unlocking the characters, though, instead of having them all at the start? I don't really care about it. I don't think I mean, it's, it's good. It's fine. I, 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 it's yeah. just the whole concept of, of this Atelaview. We haven't, we have, we've spoken about it, but it's it still always tickles me. I think that having different characters be unlockable would make a lot more sense if there were drastic alternate routes that you could take with each one but like you had yeah. to find them well like you let's say in the first level you see this path that goes somewhere but you can't reach it because you don't have luigi yet but it goes to it it's like a whole new part of the first level if that was the case and it would increase replayability then i think that having unlocking characters makes sense but if it's not that big of a difference then I don't really see why there should be a need to. Yeah, because right now I think it's like it's made to be like a preference. Like, what's your preference of the way you want to play? Or I remember thinking while I was playing it that like if they wanted it to be like, well, you know, you you could do certain certain fights like better with Mario, which I think you can. At least I had an easier time with like boss fights with Mario, and certain other things are better with Luigi. They would need to have some way that you would know what's coming <laughs> when you select your character. Like, it's not like I can, in the middle of the level, back out and change my character because I realize there's something that's better with Mario. So at that point, it's just like, well, you're just picking your preference and not, like, doing what Sam was just describing, where you're picking your route or your way you're going to tackle each level. For sure, yeah. It's almost like you have to make Super Mario Brothers 2 into a Metroidvania at that point. And then yeah, we well, have... Yeah, then we have Super Mario Advance, which is the uh, first Game Boy Advance game, and it also gets its very own, like, Nintendo Power Advance issue, which I think is cool because Nintendo Power's first issue was Super Mario Bros. 2, so then Super Mario Advance gets its own issue. Uh, The Super Mario Advance version of Super Mario Bros. 2, which is kind of confusing that it's called, like, Super Mario Advance, Super Mario Bros. 2, but it includes... Several new features that I'm interested to hear you guys' opinions on. Uh, the addition of the enemy Roberto, which is a robotic Birdo. <laughs> uh, I think Mauser is just 
gone from the game, or he, uh, no, 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 Mauser is gone in World 3, and Roberto, uh, fits in for him there. I think So instead of be, fighting Mauser twice. It could probably, for me, be a little bit more nightmare fuel, but I think by the time I had a Game Boy Advance, I would have been able to, to take that. Um, but, like, weirdly, and I had a Game Boy Advance that I played a lot of stuff on, I never owned it. And it also had uh, the Yoshi Challenge, in which players revisit stages to search for Yoshi eggs. That's kind of cool. Him? Isn't do you get something? Is that what you're actually on? Uh, do you get to ride him? You don't get to ride Yoshi. <sighs> That's kind of like the Game Boy uh, version, right? The deluxe? Yeah, with the red coins, right? Yeah, well, there's find, a Yoshi like, egg the... in each level, too. Oh, okay, yeah, I guess I didn't remember that part, but I remember they also include, like, ten red coins that you have to collect, right? Yeah, there's ten red coins, and there's a hidden Yoshi block that you have to hit, but you don't know where it is. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I like things like this. Uh, the last one, though, I think is gonna... I, I was gonna say it earlier, but I had to save it for our sequels and spinoff section. Sean, they added a point-scoring system back. God damn it! Is there any reason for that? I don't. I don't, I don't know. It's just. It's just. It's injecting an antique into <laughs> something a little less antique. You know, I, I don't like it either. But it also doesn't hurt. Like I'm like, oh, if people like it, let it be there. I can ignore it. That takes up uh, UI space. I don't know. Sure, sure. I'm just glad that they uh, that they didn't add level time limits. Which I don't think have ever really bothered me in Mario for the most part. Once in a while, one might get a little annoying. But, like, I've always kind of thought, like, I don't need this in, in a Mario game. So I, I liked that there weren't in this game. So I'm glad that they, as far as I know, didn't add it to the advanced version. Yeah, I don't understand time limits either, Joe. So I'm with you on that. Uh, oh, and there was also voice dialogue, too. I think some very annoying voice dialogue, if uh, memory serves correct. I think Toad uh, says something. I'm sorry that I can't remember exactly what he says. But he says it, like, every time he picks up a vegetable and it drives people crazy. <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, maybe they just did play test with Toad and think like, wow, this could get annoying, but, uh, maybe they liked it. Who knows? Maybe Toad's <laughs> supposed to be annoying. I think he is. Who decided that Toad was going to have a, like a smoker's voice? <laughs> he does. Yeah, he does kind of, right? He's like, like it's a like kid a kid that started smoking. <laughs> yeah. Like a raspy high pitch. Hey, Mario. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is actually how he sounds on the Super Show. I don't know if you've ever watched it, but that is how he sounds. You got any cigarettes? I swear he might have said that exact line. <laughs> Were you the voice actor for Toad? <laughs> you got me. And then last, before we get into the Essential Games list, I have to just mention that uh, the reception for this game was very high. Uh, over 7 million copies sold for the Nintendo Entertainment System, making it the fourth highest selling game on the system. Wow. It also got... The highest scores from Nintendo Power for a Super Mario Brothers game, beating both Super Mario Brothers One and Super Mario Brothers Three. It got three perfect fives and a four point oh. That's uh, that, I mean, I'm, I'm glad they saw that. It's very, you know, it's it is kind of controversial, isn't it? It is. Uh, you know, there's also I, I just looking at the box art here for a second. Something that we didn't bring up, but does anyone think that this game might actually be called? Super Mario Brothers 2, Mario, Mario Madness. Power? Oh, Mario no. Madness, yeah. Yeah, There's, it's like on the label, but maybe that's just like a Pac-Man fever kind of thing and not like a subtitle. Yeah, I, I, I remember seeing that. I don't remember, I don't know why it's there. I, I think it's it's cute, but I don't know why it's there. It's like a little catchphrase, it's just like on there. Because I, I thought it was called Super Mario Brothers 2 Instruction Booklet. <laughs> <laughs> 
I could see how you would make a mistake like that. It does look like a title, though, the way it's put there. Yeah. What's weird is that you can also, uh, yeah, it does look like a title, and then you can also get the version that just says Revision A on it as well. So it could be Super Mario Brothers 2, Revision A, Mario Madness, Nintendo Entertainment System. It's huh. a lot. It's a big, it's a mouthful. But we're going to vote right now <laughs> on whether Super Mario Brothers 2, Revision A, Mario Madness, Nintendo <laughs> Entertainment System, copyright Nintendo 1988 is an essential game on our essential games list. <laughs> Sam, it's your first episode back in a long time, so I'm going to let you have the very first vote for oh, the essential boy. games. Just a reminder for you yeah. that it always has to be a majority, so two votes doesn't get it in this time. Uh, you need three essential votes or more to make it an essential game. Okay, this is a weird game. This is a really weird game. I I don't know. Um, I I haven't played this game before until now, and I didn't really know what to expect. But it wasn't this. But it's so interesting the way each level breaks down, and I feel like I like playing this game maybe more than a usual Mario game, just because there's this kind of oh, this puzzle aspect. To it that isn't there in the first one and it's a very very different game and i think that if you were going to pick between the two between the first one and the second one if it, we're talking about completely different games and so i think that this fits on the essential games list just fine all right that's our very first vote and sam making a power move with his return uh, Sam, can we expect that every single time you come back, you'll just vote whatever game we're playing essential? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. And uh, you know what, Joe? Just give it to me. <laughs> All right. Um, so I, I had played this game when I was a kid, and I didn't care for it. And I think it was because what we talked about earlier. I was I was a big fan of Super Mario Bros. 3, and I was expecting another game like Super Mario Bros. 3. And I, I always was, like, fascinated by it. I always wanted to play it, and then, like, whenever the rare times I did, I was like, oh, yeah, like, I'd rather just play the other game. But now, looking at it through the lens of, like, knowing this is different than than a Mario game, I, I really, really appreciate the design in this game and the the game design and the aesthetic design. And I think that we've, we've got a lot of essential games on the list, and there's still only a few where I would, you know, I would say Super Mario Brothers. Uh, maybe the Legend of Zelda and uh, and maybe Duck Hunt even that I that I feel like I'm not judging it as an NES game like it just feels up to standard with a game I would play right now and this this is one of those like this is the first game in a long time that I feel like I'm I, I'm putting absolutely no filters on my opinion of like well it was on the NES this game like is just well designed it it plays perfectly even if it's not how you expected it to be. Um, so for that, I mean, I think it, it has to be essential. I mean, there, there's there was there's very little uh, question in, in what my uh, vote was going to be for that. All right, uh, you know, Sean, you have a chance here to play hero or villain. So <laughs> give us your vote. All right. Well, we've heaped we've heaped a lot of praise on this game, and I, I did enjoy playing it. I really did, but. I don't know if it lives up to the precedent that was set last week with Mad Magazine Spy vs. Spy. Um, no, obviously this game is essential. Uh, it, like, it, I didn't really. I, if I could, if I could appreciate it as much as as I do now, um, 
earlier in my life when I was too busy being terrified of Birdo uh, or or the hawk mouths. Like I would have been playing this throughout my life. Uh, this is a great game, and it. It, it deserves to be in the S tier of the essential games list. Oh, I like that. You know, Joe Joe has his like golden plants or whatever, <laughs> and you now have the S tier of essentials. And Sam, don't forget you have your uh, jank folder. Oh, I haven't forgotten another jank folder. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's probably quite a few games that we played recently that you would have put on your jank. Oh yeah. Folder. Oh cool. <laughs> uh, okay, so you know it's essential. I think that's great. I am going to tell you right now that I'm not going to hide my vote. It is essential as well. And, you know, for me, I would say that I like Super Mario Brothers 2 more than Super Mario Brothers 1. Uh, I, I know that it's different. I know that it's not even really a Mario game. I don't think that really matters uh, when we're looking at it via the chronological exploration that we do on the show or, it, you know, the fact that we're playing it in 2020 where things are terrible, this game, you know, is not <laughs> terrible. It's it's a great time. It's odd. It's interesting. There are definitely some things working against it. I don't think that the enemy placement was like as awesome as it was in Super Mario Brothers One, and I think some of the uh, mid worlds weren't as fun as or exciting as the beginning and end of the game. Uh, but you know, Super Mario Brothers One was kind of repetitive in a way too, and I never felt like that held it back in terms of my essential game vote. So I don't think that's going to do it for Super Mario Brothers Two either. There just comes to be a time now where you look at Nintendo R and D Four, who continues to just make strictly essential games. If we're really looking at it, I think uh, what do we have from them? We have three games, and they're all three are essential. You're looking at Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers 2, and The Legend of Zelda. I mean, how can you beat a track record like that? I don't think you can, Mike. I wonder what the next game we're going to see from them is, and I just checked it out. It happens to be Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link, our very last oh. game of 1988. Ooh. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, that one, you know, it's interesting because that there is some talk of that now, like, getting a resurgence and being a good game. Well, I've never played it. I mean, I've, I've had I've had exposure to it, so we'll see. I've also never played it, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Nor have Same. I. But I find it interesting that it's uh, it kind of has a similar like uh, history with like the fan base as Super Mario Brothers two, the second installment. People think is like different and weird. Yeah, I mean, we're we're about to enter the golden age of sequels that are weird because we also have Castlevania two Simon's Quest uh, coming up in between. Uh, Super Mario Brothers 2 and Zelda 2. So there's just going to be this idea of, well, you can't quite, uh, you know, do a sequel the same way as the original game. Anyway, that's all the time we have for this episode of Nostalgia. I hope you were doing the Mario for most of the show. Uh, remember that you can always follow Nostalgia at NostalgiaCast on Twitter. Uh, every day, one person follows us. So it's your duty to, if you're not that person today... You should do that just to restore some balance in the world. I heard it does great things for karma and stuff like that. So definitely look into it. I don't know. Many people are saying it. Anyway. Set a reminder in your phone when it's your day. Yes, when it's your day. Uh, uh, That would mean that uh, for Christopher, you have uh, next Tuesday is your day to follow. And, you know, uh, another thing, usually I tell you guys what the game is next week that we'll be doing so you know how to prepare. But I think this time... I'm just going to leave all of the listeners in anticipation of our next game. There's no way of finding out either. Yes, uh, that's true. 
I'm Michael Esposito. You can find me at Esposito Film on Twitter, and I'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.